Hi, this is Sandy Rios. It's such a pleasure to be with you today. And today we have another great show. I just don't know what to say. We've got a great guest. And we're going to talk about, well, basically, uh, teaching the great American story. Because our kids don't know their history. Uh, all you have to do is remember Jay Leno years ago used to do a series on, he would go on the street and ask people questions about history. And it was uh, shocking how little bit they knew. And now it's even worse. Wouldn't you agree? You probably asked your kids about it. And do you, 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 don't, you are very disappointed if you're paying any attention as to what they know about American history. Um, so before we start the show, though, I've asked Bruce to join me up top today. Bruce is my husband, in case you didn't know that, if you're new to the show. Uh, Bruce, uh, you and I are both patriots. There's just no question. That's one thing we had in common from the very first that we met each other. But I'm curious to know why. why what got you interested in American history? Was there somebody or something? Well, I think it came from my family members. My father was a World War II veteran. My grandfather was a World War I veteran. Um, patriotism, while we didn't uh, beat our chests with it, you just knew that our country was worth fighting for and that there was something special about it. Your dad was a Purple Heart veteran, wasn't he? I mean, he got he, wounded. Yes, he was. He was wounded twice while he was in the service and received the Bronze Star and... Um, some other awards. Yeah, so we both have dads who served, and that, that makes a big difference. It might, you know, patriotism and love of country was just like like part of dinner. It was like the potatoes you added with the meat. And we loved our country for good reason, for very good reason. Um, well, you know, back when we went to school, I remember you'd start the day with the Pledge of Allegiance, and it meant something. It's like stand up, put your hand on your heart, and say the Pledge of Allegiance. Um, uh, having grown up during the Vietnam War era, uh, just being, I just missed what would have been eligible to, to uh, go into the service. And uh, it really, really tore me up to see the disrespect that was given to our country by so many people. And, uh, the, and, and that's when I first got a glimpse of how the media wasn't our friend. Um, I probably didn't see it that much then, but now in retrospect, I can really put it into perspective. Um, and it, it really pained me, though. To you know, every once in a while, I'd run into somebody at school that was a what I what we called a peace nick, and I just could not relate to them at all. No, but uh, I, I agree, and I think uh, I suspect that the reason we're in the situation that we're in, and I think that's, that's the point Tim Gagline, our guest today, is going to make, is that it's because our kids don't know. They just don't know. The American story is so incredible, and it's real. It's true. It's not fabricated, contrary to all these uh, historians, these fake historians who have twisted uh, the, the beginnings of the country, and we'll talk about that with Tim a bit in a second. Um, it gives you pride in the right way. I mean, there's been no country like ours. It really is a unique story. And so we're going to talk about that with Tim Gagline today. Uh, by the way, if you would like to, um, you know, if you have a comment, like if you don't like what we just said, or if you like what we just said, or if you wish we'd said more of this or that or less of this or that, you can say that at 662 eight two one two zero four zero that's six six two eight two one two zero four zero you can call and leave a comment or ask a question or whatever you whatsoever whatever is on your mind you can go to sandy at afr.net and send an email sandy at afr.net that is the email address and you can leave a comment that way you can find us on t facebook or twitter on instagram getter 
Truth Social, YouTube, or Rumble. Any of those, and I've run out. I think there may be more, but that's about all that I know about. Uh, you can also find the podcast at any of the major podcast platforms, whether it's Apple or Spotify or Amazon or any of the others. AFR.net is our home home base. It's AmericanFamilyRadio.net, AFR.net. You can also download the app, AFR, down, down, download that app on your smartphone. And that's a wonderful way to listen. You can listen anywhere, anytime. And in addition to this, we are very happy to have Preborn as our sponsor. They are an organization that saves babies' lives. And in the process of that, they also talk about uh, redemption and about God and forgiveness. It's just a, it's a wonderful thing that they do. And they've saved the lives of over 200,000 babies so far. So how do they do that? They do that through using an ultrasound, a very sophisticated technology that shows the details of an unborn baby still in the mom's womb. And when moms see that, they almost all say, I can't terminate. That's my baby. That's my little boy. That's my little girl. And they choose to save the baby's life. It's a, it's a marvelous process. And so if you'd like to help Preborn do that, go to preborn.com slash Sandy, that's preborn.com slash Sandy. $28 will cover one ultrasound for one mom with a baby that she's just gotten acquainted with. And so uh, it's $28 at preborn.com slash Sandy. All gifts are tax deductible. And of course, if you have more than $28, if you can afford to save the lives of five babies, it's $140. So that gives you an idea of uh, what you're able to do. It's preborn.com slash Sandy. All right. So now it's my time to say to you, sit back, relax, and enjoy Sandy Rios 24-7. From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. I think the most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness that we actually believe what we say we believe. A longtime Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. Seek justice, not social justice, but God's justice, what's right and what's wrong. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association, a pro-life radio talk show host. We've got to say this is the line. Life is sacred. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. In the fall of 2019, the New York Times unveiled the 1619 Project, this kind of sprawling special issue commemorating the 400th anniversary of the year African slaves were first brought to American shores. 1619 was the brainchild of star journalist and MacArthur genius Nicole Hannah-Jones. It claimed to be this daring deconstruction of America. This anniversary is the reason we even exist as a country. We would not be the United States were it not for slavery. Can look across all these aspects of modern day society and see the legacy of slavery. Sugar, geography, capitalism, why there's so much traffic in Atlanta. All of this kind of goes back to that original sin. 1619 was a sensation, driving record subscription numbers. It even got its own Super Bowl commercial. America was not yet America, but this was the moment it began. This new history rests on a radical revision of America's birth year. 
In the opening essay, Hannah Jones claimed that the Founding Fathers had actually declared independence to protect slavery. We were founded not as a democracy, but as a slaveocracy. All right, Sandy Rios with you. Well, that's just a portion or gives you a flavor of the 1619 Project. The the guy talking there talks as though it's a a done deal, it's over. That's something that Nicole Hannah-Jones came up with. It was a great idea. But honestly, it has been mainstreamed. It's been made into a curriculum. And it's just part of the reason why our kids don't really understand their foundings, find themselves ashamed of their foundings, uh, actually start to hate their country. That's why so many of your children going off to college uh, end up coming back and being angry with you because you would support the history of such a country. And so um, along comes a friend of mine, Tim Gagline, who has written this book called Toward a More Perfect Union. And what a great title. It's the moral and cultural case for teaching the great American story. And Tim Gagline joins us today. Good morning, Tim. Good morning, Sandy. It's great to be with you. It's great to be with you too, Tim. I'm, let me just say that right now, uh, now that you've grown up, because I met you when you were pretty young, <laughs> you're the <laughs> vice, vice president of external and government relations for Focus on the Family. You've been there for a long time. Uh, and before that, way back, you were the communications director for Senator Dan Coats from Indiana, your home state. You were the deputy director of the White House office, a public liaison and special assistant to President George W. Bush, which is actually when I met you, Tim, when you were that young, handsome guy that used to come to CWA and do meetings in in the office when I was the president. So anyway, just giving a little background there. Do you miss those days in the White House with George W. Bush? You know, it's interesting, and I mean this. Sandy, those were great days. I mean, they were. What, what, What a remarkable time. I mean, and you look at the the eight years of George W. Bush, and you mentioned the Senate, the ten years that I spent working in the Senate uh, in the Arab Dan Coast. And you know, in the theme and golden narrative of of my newest book, and in your uh, terrific uh, introduction, you realize how uh, how quickly we have changed chapters in American history, haven't we? Uh, I mean, you can take the era uh, that you talked about in the Senate. Uh, you can take the era of George W. Bush. You can put them in a shoebox and take them down to the Smithsonian, because we are in an era now where, in each and every uh, debate with the progressive left, somehow America always comes out uh, of a boxing match as the as the loser, and it's become a very serious issue. Um, uh, no more so than as you have said so so wonderfully. Uh, uh, regarding the 1619 Project, which I deal with at length uh, in my new book. You know, it's really sad, Tim. And it, it's not... Uh, look, I've been talking about this for probably 20 years on the radio, some form of it, uh, because I am a patriot. I do love the country. My parents, my dad was in World War II. It's in my blood. I'm, a, I'm actually a daughter of the Revolution, but I didn't ever sign up for that. But I look, it's in my blood. I love this country. And I always say... I love it because it's based on a real story. It's not a fantasy. It's a real story. It's a powerful story. And interestingly, when I've traveled around the globe, a lot of people in other countries know our story better than our kids know our story. I'm always shocked. You know, like I was in Japan one year, and they're just in awe of the American story, but not so us. And it is really breaking families apart. Well, let's talk about this because speaking of fragmenting, you talk about that. Let me just quote you. Generations of American students have been taught the United States is not exceptional but an abysmal country. And this lack of real content-rich history 
in American classrooms has produced today's divisive political climate. Okay, so make the case. Well, I'd love to do that. Let me take one step back to something you mentioned a moment ago. When I was working in the White House, I had the pleasure and honor of meeting a truly great American uh, and, and one of our finest historians, David McCullough. Uh, and among many other interesting things he shared with me, Sandy, was the fact that, uh, that he was uh, suffering from insomnia. And I thought at first he was kidding, and uh, it's not the case. And as I say in the book, his doctor said that every day, as David McCullough read the papers, uh, it seemed to him as if leaders were taking positions based on politics and had forgotten about history, that they were unaware of the past and, frankly, uninterested in how they uh, you know, would, would, would be remembered and how the country would be thought of uh, in the future. And, and I've never forgotten that conversation. And so what I did in this book is, uh, to your second point, is I delved directly into all of the empirical data on what American uh, students know about American history. And in fact, right off the top in my book, I uh, go to a very uh, widely, uh, and, and I might say, uh, shocking uh, survey of public high school students, uh, and they were given, Sandy, the test that legal immigrants are given when they want to become citizens. I'm going to stress, <laughs> legal immigrants oh, are given a test. My, my friend, uh, only one in four could name George Washington as the first president of the United States. Uh, only 10% knew that there are nine justices on the United States Supreme Court. And to this, I think, will really, really shock uh, your listeners that less than 30% knew that the president heads the executive branch of our government. And, and, and in all of this empirical data and surveys, in other words, you know, uh, we're all entitled to our own opinions, but we're not entitled to our own facts. The fact is that we now have four generations of young Americans uh, who do not know the American story. They do not know the Constitution. They do not know the Declaration of Independence. And many of those people uh, are now uh, in leadership uh, uh, around our country. And so we are now talking, I think, very seriously about what are the ramifications for the future of the United States and for the future of freedom. It's really that, that important. Yeah, you know, I, your story about David McCullough and what you just said reminds me of a real-life story. I was uh, at an event in D.C. Uh, just a few years ago. I was listening to one of the, I think it was the librarian from the Library of Congress, giving a speech. It was actually wonderful. It was just delightful. But she told this story. She said, you know, it's their job, whatever her office is called, it's their job to uh, provide background and history to any of the senators working on a project or members of the House or the president for that matter. They're their repository for all things, you know, facts and history and all of that. And one sitting congressman came to them and asked, what happened to Abraham Lincoln after he left the White House? Wow. You can laugh, my, my but friends, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. No, uh, no I'll, I'll tell you. I, I want to go to that point, if I may, because it's a very big part of toward a more perfect union, and it goes, I think it encapsulates this terrific conversation. We are living through the breakdown in history and civic education, and it is directly tied to many of the ills, it seems to me, 
that we face as a nation. What are those? Incivility, bad leaders, cultural decay, cancel culture. Uh, I quote, Sandy, you mentioned uh, your father uh, fighting in World War II. Uh, President Eisenhower, uh, at the time our, our great commanding general, he, he said in his 1953 inaugural address when he was elected to the presidency, he said, and I think this is so powerful, he said, a people that values its privileges above its principles soon loses both. And I think that we have forgotten our principles while exalting our privileges. But without principles to serve as a foundation, it seems to me that we will very, you know, eventually lose our privileges. And I think, I think that is what we are seeing playing out in our culture every single day. And I think, Sandy, those are the stakes. You know, uh, Tim, that reminds me, this one thing just drives me crazy, and I see that you've written about it, and that is this whole notion of being free. Uh, I, I, the perversion of what that actually means drives me crazy. So rather than me comment on it, what, what does it mean? In American history yeah. and in our, what should it mean and what does it mean to people now? Uh, I am thrilled that you, you, that you asked this because I, you know, the great Abraham Lincoln said you can't just assert, you have to demonstrate. So uh, in, in Toward a More Perfect Union, what I do is I go through Sandy and use real-world examples that real readers can identify with. For instance, it's not just somebody has an opinion on, you mentioned Abraham Lincoln earlier, or George Washington, or whatever. We're actually living through a time when George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, Abraham Lincoln, even Winston Churchill, have been canceled. Uh, and the primary mode um, of this uh, of this cancel culture uh, is not at, at any level about building or renewing or regenerating or restoring, but Sandy, it's about tearing down. Uh, Barry Weiss, I, I know you really follow uh, and really are so much in sync with much of, many of her observations. I certainly am. Uh, you know, she said very very powerfully. She said that persuasion in, in this cancel culture that we're in is replaced with punishment, and mercy is replaced with vengeance, and pluralism with conformity, and debate with deplatforming, facts with feelings. I mean, the ultimate goal of cancel culture, and items such as the 1619 Project, it is to destroy America's foundations through ignorance and disinformation and ultimately to create an entirely different nation that no longer embodies the principles of the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution. We're talking with Tim Gagline, and he is, again, the Vice President for Focus on the Family. Before that, he I met him in D.C. when he was working for George W. Bush, and I was President of Concerned Women for America, and we had a nice, really nice friendship and have maintained that. But Tim is a great historian, and I always enjoy interviewing him. This is not his first book, but this one is called Toward a More Perfect Union. Toward a More Perfect Union, the moral and cultural case for teaching the great American story. We're going to take a little bit of a break, and we'll be right back. This is Sandy Rios 24-7 on American Family Radio. 
Tim Gagline is our guest, and we're talking about his new book, Toward a More Perfect Union. I've, this has been a bell that has rung in me for years, I have to say. When I was on radio in Chicago, it drove me crazy. Because in Chicago at the time, uh, I, because I, did, I had a large black audience, lots of, we just talked about this stuff all the time. Uh, there was already a different curriculum in black, uh, bl- black-dominated schools in Chicago about our history. When no one even was aware of this, this was happening. So it's not about blackness, but that's part of it. It's also just part of distorting the truth here and uh, tearing down the men who are rightfully heroes, who have a great story. It's in writing. You know, Tim, oh, I could talk to you for so long, but I, re- I remember once, uh, because I love history too, uh, there, there, one historian, historian rightly told me that the best history are the things written uh, close to the time of the uh, the death that of the person that they're talking about. And they talked about this great biography of George Washington, uh, which was just glowing and gave a picture, you know, who he was. While they could still remember him, uh, I, I find uh, that biographies written, you know, generations later and the stories written later, it's really hard for them to remain true. Would you agree? Yes, I, I, I do. I, I think... Uh... That, that, that immediately written uh, biographies uh, or histories are often extremely useful. Uh, and it's interesting that it's true that over time, you know, uh, when we learn more, uh, that we can, you know, add fact-based, uh, you know, history to what we already know. Uh, and, and I'm so glad that you asked this, uh, uh, Sandy, because I did a whole chapter uh, in this book uh, on the infamous Howard Zinn. Uh, in <laughs> other words, what I came to learn in yes. writing toward a more you should perfect say who he union. Is. You should say who he yes, is. Yes, exactly. I, I will. Uh, you know, he flew under the banner uh, of being an American historian, and his books were the most widely used American history textbooks in America for essentially, uh, you know, uh, more more than thirty years. But Howard Zinn's goal was not to teach facts, the kind of things that, that, that is, <laughs> comprise great history. Howard Zinn's goal was, uh, was, was opinions, and they were his own opinions. And he said that he wanted to, tra- I'm using his language, he said that he wanted to transform American history. Uh, and as I show and demonstrate in this book, his goal was not, uh, you know, to denounce Western civilization and, con- you know, convince uh, students to reject it, uh, marred as it was by all the things he said, but in fact it was to denigrate uh, and then to denounce uh, and do so by using language and a lack of facts, uh, which is absolutely bewildering. Uh, and I, I, I quote him at length in the book because... Um, it's important that people know that the kind of constitutional and historic and cultural illiteracy regarding our country uh, is not merely because of poor teaching or uh, poor, you know, a number of other things. This is willful. This is absolutely deliberate. Um, and I want to use a couple of examples very briefly. When Howard uh, said that Western civilization is defined, and I'm quoting him now, he said, Western civilization is defined by the religion of popes, the government of kings, the frenzy of money. Uh, among other things, Sandy, he states that America, are you ready for this, became involved in World War II 
to protect what he calls the imperial interests of the United States. In other words, his version of history is now the dominant one being taught in our education system. Yes, and his textbook was A People's History of the United States. It was really kind of fringe when it first came out. Then it became mainstream. Who knew? And I found, you know, Howard was a a Vietnam War protester. And, yes, so that's the guy who has determined what our children know about history or don't know. I guess, you know, Tim, as much the problem is as much leaving out the story as it is fabricating facts. So, um, yes, it is. And yes, yes, it is. And very briefly, Sandy, just very quickly on that point, there is a scholar called Dr. Mary Graber, uh, and she is the expert on Howard Zinn. And to your point, she makes it very clear that Zinn's propaganda has not only been spectacularly effective, but she says that his dishonest American history, um, you know, is uh, is now uh, having turned generations of young people away from the heritage of, of their own country. Uh, I mean, these are the kind of damaging and destructive transformations that we are witnessing and have seen. Mm, yes, and and like I said, it's affecting families, Tim, because this just divides. It's like it's like um, it's, if that's hard to understand that history, a difference in history or the view of it, would make a, such a divide. Think about the Civil War, just the, that deeply held belief of what's happening in your country can can divide families, and that is really what's happening here. Well, we In the few minutes that we have left, because the book, Toward a More Perfect Union, uh, The Moral and Cultural Case for Teaching the Great American Story, Tim gives solutions. And so in the moments that we have, Tim, let's just give them a taste of this, because this book is published by Fidelis. You can get it anywhere and that you like to buy books. Uh, But um, how do we teach the American story rightly? How do we unring this bell? Uh, I'll I'll be as precise as I can. The battle, uh, Sandy, for the soul of our nation begins in our homes. Uh, which will then hopefully transform our schools and restore the proper teaching of American uh, history and civics. In other words, the way forward uh, is to begin at a local level. It begins, as I say, in our homes and families. It begins in our churches and communities. It does not begin here in Washington, D.C. It does not begin in Wall Street or Silicon Valley or Hollywood. Uh, Too often, uh, Americans have been uh, propagandized that in order uh, to uh, solve a national problem, that somehow it needs to be a top-down solution. But I think that that is, is precisely incorrect. Uh, I think we have to start at the most local level, uh, and we have to build upward. And it's going to take a long time, because the damage now, as you so eloquently uh, said, Sandy, has been really across the last uh, 50 years. And so uh, we've got an American restoration uh, that is now, uh, you know, on the radar scopes of people. And I, and I take heart. I mean, I'm an inveterate optimist, but I take heart <laughs> that we are living through a kind of parental uh, rebellion nationwide. And I think, princi- I think that parents and grandparents and others, they understand uh, what the stakes are here. And we have to remember, as Paul Johnson told us, there are no inevitabilities in history. We can do something about this, and I think uh, that, that, that my book is just one tool in the toolbox. Oh, I think so too, Tim. And, I, and like I said, you are a historian. It's, it's, it's always 
interesting to talk to you because you do your research and you write beautifully. I want to ask you this last one because you have it on the sheet here. So I want to know this because this seems it's I, I, people will wonder how this is related. Uh, but how can you encourage your children, your students, the ki- your neighbors, the kids that wait on you in the restaurants, wh- whatever, to be more grateful, to be so s- less sour, and to be more cor- more happy? You know, they don't seem most kids now just seem miserable. They really do. How, how can we change that? I'm so glad uh, that you raised this because it's a it's a substantial part of my book. Uh, I believe that gratitude for uh, the Constitution, gratitude for the Declaration, gratitude for living in this exceptional and remarkable country with an exceptional and a remarkable history and culture, I think this kind of gratitude and appreciation, uh, Sandy, is good for the soul. Uh, And I think it really does begin with parents and the way that they speak with and to their children. Uh, I think it begins in neighborhoods. It begins in churches. You know, what, what, what little people absorb and draw in from the influential adults around them really matters. And with all of our challenges and all of our hurdles, I think gratitude for the great American story matters. And uh, it's why I chose the title, Toward a More Perfect Union. It's from the preamble of the Constitution. Not that any country is perfect. We never begin with utopia. But when you look at the chapters of American history and and, and the things that comprise American culture, you realize it really is a remarkable and great American story. Uh, And I think uh, that we have a lot of work to do, uh, but I think we ought to get started. Oh, I think so, too. And I want to say one word, Tim. I learned something when I was in the Soviet Union, what, right before it be, you know, the, the, all the countries broke up. But Boris Yeltsin was running for president. I was doing in a lot of interviews. And one of the things that every single person I interviewed said this to me, my grandmother told me that there was a God. Now, that might seem startling or maybe the, the point is they had gone 60 years without the knowledge of God. They were an atheistic country. And they told me they're babushkas and the scarves had whispered in their ear that there was a God, and they'd never forgotten it. And so I think for people who are listening who are grandparents who just feel hopeless or feel like their own children have turned against them because they try to speak what they believe is true about the country and about God himself, uh, to not get discouraged because you can plant a seed that your kids will never forget, even if you can't tell the whole story. Uh, The book is called Toward a More Perfect Union, The Moral and Cultural Case for Teaching the Great American Story. Great uh, reviews here from like Jim Daly, president of uh, Focus on the Family, Kevin Roberts, who's the new, relatively new president of Heritage Foundation, Ben Shapiro. Uh, just some great endorsements for you, Tim. And so uh, published by Fidelis. Any last word from you before we say goodbye? You know, the, the last word is the following, if I may. The great historian uh, Paul Johnson, uh, Sandy, uh, he said that the study of history uh, is a powerful antidote to arrogance. And I think, ultimately, the progressive left is powered by a historic, damaging arrogance. Uh, I think we have to go tell a new generation the remarkable story of the United States of America. And I believe with Paul Johnson, it's a great adventure, this incredible country. And I really genuinely believe that the best days for our country are ahead of us. And, uh, and I'm, I'm actually excited about seeing the next generation begin uh, to absorb and to learn what is so exceptional about this exceptional country. 
Wow, I love it. Okay, Tim, you've encouraged me today, so thank you. And I bet you've encouraged lots of people. To Order More Perfect Union is the book, Tim Gagline, the author from Focus on the Family. And uh, Tim, thank you so much. It's a real pleasure. Thank you so much, Sandy. Well, that was that was very enjoyable. I, I Tim is such a great interview. He has such an interesting voice, and he always has great content. And I know Tim believes what he just said because I worked with him in D.C., his book, Toward a More Perfect Union, by the way, that's a beautiful phrase from the founding documents, uh, Toward a More Perfect Union, that was their goal, our founding fathers, and the moral and cultural case for teaching the great American story. Again, no other story like that. Bruce, he had some incredible things to say about what the circumstances are currently with American history, didn't he? Yes, he did. Uh, when he mentioned that only 25% of people that were, he spoke to in that group, knew that George Washington was the first president of the United States. That flabbergasted me. And, and I think to, back to what just happened in the last couple of weeks, our own vice president, Kamala Harris, was speaking at an abortion rally in Florida, and she decides she's going to invoke the Declaration of Independence. And if you recall the way the Declaration of Independence is written, the, you have a right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But at this abortion rally, Ms. Harris conveniently forgot to mention that there's a right to life. She said you have a right to liberty and the pursuit of happiness. She bastardized our own Declaration of Independence to promote an abortion agenda. You know, it reminds me, same but different, of I remember a few years ago, remember when they tried to strike under God from the Pledge of Allegiance? Yes. Of course, that doesn't go back to the founding documents, but still it's been part of our American tradition for decades. Yeah, they, they're in the business of not only twisting things, but leaving important things out. Bruce Ronald Reagan had a few things to say about this, didn't he? He sort of uh, made some really salient comments about what would happen if we did not uh, remember our roots. Well, yes, he gave a very famous quote. In fact, I'd like to read it because I think it's, it's so important that we hear his words. And Reagan said, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed down to them to do the same. Or one day we will spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it was once like in the United States where men were free. Wow, that's jaw-dropping. And, uh, you know, about President Reagan, Bruce, you and I both grew up with him. He was a president for a long time. He made it such a huge mark on this country. But uh, the recent generations, many of them don't even have, they know his name, mm -hmm. maybe, <laughs> if we're lucky. Uh, but they don't really know. He was an actor. Yes, he was. But he was also a, a great leader. He did a radio show years ago where he talked about communism, uh, the Constitution. I mean, this man was brilliant. He became the president of the Screen Actors Guild in Hollywood. That tells you something about how bright he was. And in that role, he ended up uh, fighting communism in Hollywood with both fists. I mean, he just fought it like crazy. Ironic, then, that he should be elected president and go up against uh, uh, the leaders of the Soviet Union. And actually, many people attribute him with uh, the whole notion of the Berlin Wall coming down. It's a pretty amazing story, but he knew freedom. And he fought for it uh, in real life, not, not just in the movies. It was amazing. 
So, uh, well, listen, I hope you enjoyed this discussion with Tim Gagline. Again, it's Toward a More Perfect Union, the Moral and Cultural Case for Teaching the Great American Story. And I hope if you have forgotten that Great American Story that you'll get out some of your real history books and read it and share it with your children. For now, I hope you enjoyed today's broadcast. Bruce, thank you for being my partner. It was great being here. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we'll, we'll see you next time. 